The God of angel armies is always by my side. What a great thought. I want to uh, remind you of some things that you already know, and let's just enjoy them for a few minutes thinking about them this morning. So uh, the Lord is our shepherd, right? So we're going to read in a few minutes from John chapter 10, where we have Jesus talking about himself as a good shepherd. But that same image, the God of angel armies is always by my side, is very closely related to the Lord's my shepherd. So this past week, you heard many different voices. And there were times when you had the opportunity uh, to enjoy something and just enjoy it and not think about it very much. But there were other times when you enjoyed something and you gave thanks. You heard the voice of God in that situation and you gave thanks. So if this week, if you look back at some things and you see moments where you gave thanks, whether it was giving thanks for your food or you're giving thanks for some unexpected blessing or you just stopped as part of your daily routine, part of your spiritual discipline to give thanks, I want you to enjoy that thought that you have learned to listen to the shepherd's voice because it moved you to give thanks. And you didn't give thanks alone. You gave thanks with other sheep, but you also gave thanks with the help of the shepherd. This week, as we heard more and more news about what's happening in war in other parts of the world, in Ukraine in particular, You could hear different voices. There could be a a voice coming to you that says, that's somewhere else. Glad that's not me, not my problem. That voice is out there, and some are listening to that. But if you heard those things and your heart was moved, and you were brokenhearted about that, you were sad about that, and it stopped you in your day and your busy routine, and you prayed. Maybe you prayed alone. Maybe you prayed with others that you were moved to do something unusual. You listened to the voice of the shepherd. He called you through his word. How often has uh, the word of God told us to pray for those who are in need, to pray for those who are in crisis, even to pray for our enemies. So if you took time to do that, I want you to see that you were a sheep listening to the voice of your shepherd. See that? Maybe it was something uh, where evil of a more poignant and poisonous kind was lurking and you were tempted to sin. Maybe it was something as commonplace as a word you might say that wasn't loving. Maybe it was something that ran through your head to say something cruel in a moment, something that sort of made you look smart and others look dumb or brought shame on other people. Maybe it was a juicy piece of rumor or gossip that you've heard, and there was this impulse, there was this voice that was saying, you could throw this in the conversation, and you'd feel good about yourself for a short period of time. And maybe that voice came, and you didn't listen to that, but you remembered the voice of the shepherd that reminds us that even our words are evidence of our hearts. And that our speech should always be seasoned with salt. In other words, be careful. You might have to eat those words, right? 
And if you were tempted in that moment to say that which would do harm, and you said, no, I'm not going to do that. It just congratulates you for learning to listen to the voice of the shepherd. If as you counted your blessings this week, you noted that actually you have everything you need, and you thought, I have plenty, I have a warm place to be, and I have plenty to eat, and there are others uh, that I could think of who don't, and if that was you, and you saw that, and you chose to be generous, if you have this week shared with someone else, maybe it was money, maybe it was a gift, maybe it was a donation, maybe it's even just what you're sharing in the regular contribution at church, or maybe you helped someone who was out asking for help. If you recognize your abundant blessings and you said, I'll help, because the shepherd has said, give to those who ask of you and don't turn away from them. Congratulations on that for hearing the voice of the shepherd. And I hope that you will see that uh, while it's often the case in sermons, we're trying to get everybody to do better, right? I hope that you will see that part of the good news is by choosing to follow Christ, you are doing better. I hope you will see that he's guiding you to take actions, to resist temptations, to listen to his voice, and to live in a certain way that is leading to what really is the best life. That's part of the congratulations this morning is that if you're learning to control your tongue, your life is better. You may have forgotten what it was like when you didn't control your words. Can anybody look back at a day when you were known for your sharp tongue? Can you look back at a moment when you just let fly and unloaded your words? And as you look back at that, do you cringe a little? You see the damage that was done and the bad relationships that were there and the hurt that was caused and you cringe a little. I want you to stop and thank God for just a moment that you've learned better. And your life is better because you've listened to the voice of Jesus. Your relationships are better. The way you feel about yourself, you feel better because you're learning to follow this shepherd. If you could look back at a time in your life, maybe not so long ago, maybe even this past week, but if you look back and you see a time when sin dominated, Maybe it came in the form of uh, just selfishness. Maybe it came in the form of uh, some addictive substance or behavior. Maybe it was a sexual sin. Maybe it was a life that was focused on materialism. Maybe it was a life that was focused on the values of the world. As you look at those times where you've listened to those voices, Do you remember the emptiness that followed? That there was going to have to be more and more of that money or more and more of that sin or more and more of that substance or more and more of the world and there was just never going to be enough. And you look back at that and you say, there was a time when I was there, but I'm not there anymore. And it wasn't filling me up. It was like just getting more lost. You know, lost people are often led by other lost people and they all just get more lost together. 
But in Christ, that's not who we are anymore. I want us to just to let that rise up within us and thank God that we're learning and we're listening and we're hearing the voice of Christ. And it has been leading us and life is better. Life is better when we live within the boundaries that God has set, when we listen to his rules. God does have rules. When we listen to his love and let that lead us from the heart out, we are so much more full in life. And so when you remember those times of what you were, don't you see that life is more abundant now? Listening to his voice, a voice that the world laughs at, a voice that the world would say, why would anyone want to follow the teachings of Jesus? It seems like you're just making yourself a doormat. Seems like you're not going to have any fun. Seems like kind of a crazy and silly thing to do. We can stand back and just say to the world, I hope you see how crazy and silly what you're doing is. See the hurt, see the emptiness, and maybe consider listening to a different voice. These ideas of different paths we could follow, different voices we could hear, these are, are addressed by Jesus in John chapter 10 as he talks about himself in a little riddle here. Maybe a parable, but the, the word that the Bible uses here in John 10 for this illustration, it's not quite exactly the same word as we normally get for parable. It's a little more like riddle that Jesus says here in John 10. So I want us to read it, and we know the solution to the riddle. We've just been talking about it. So let's read a little bit here from the beginning of John 10. Just a few verses to get us started with John 10, 1 through 6. Jesus is speaking. Notice the first two words. My Bible says, truly, truly. You have the old King James Version, it'll say, verily, verily. But when Jesus says, truly, truly, that's a moment to really stop and listen. This is Jesus saying, okay, what I'm about to say is really true and really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, here comes the riddle. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought, all, brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, or this parable, or this riddle, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus is talking about something commonplace, as he so often does. He has parables about sowers and stories about fishing, and now he's talking about sheep and shepherds, and he tells something that would be very common to them, and they're scratching their heads saying, and what are you trying to tell us here? Let's see if we make sure we understand the basics. What they would have all been familiar with as a, as a sheepfold is a, a pen, if you will. Now, we're used to seeing pens with fences around them, maybe made of boards or barbed wire. This sheepfold was probably made with a stone wall. 
Sometimes a hedge would work or some other type of fencing, but a very common place to be a, a stone wall. And you might picture a, a large circular enclosure that only has one entrance and a, and a gated entrance. And the uh, shepherds would bring their sheep into the fold at certain times. You might think simply of at night. They'd come and get them in the morning and go out to pasture and then stay with them all day and then bring them back in at night. And the next day they go out to a different pasture. Why? Well, because they sort of ate all the grass in that pasture. They go here and go there and they would come back into the sheepfold. And sometimes more than one flock of sheep would be in the same sheepfold. Not a problem because the sheep know their shepherd's voice and he could call them and they will come. And so this is the idea. But imagine that someone is a thief and a robber and it's nighttime and they're in the sheepfold and maybe the wall is about this high and someone is thinking, I'm going to get a free sheep. And so he's not going to come to the gate where maybe uh, someone is watching, but he's going to come around here on the back and try to come over and get a sheep and steal it. Must have been a commonplace thing that happened. These people would be very familiar with this. And so Jesus describes a sheepfold and sheep in it and robbers. And if they don't come in through the gate, they must be a robber. And everybody's like, to state the obvious, yes. And then their shepherd comes and he calls them out and he takes them out to pasture because they know his voice. And everybody's like, yes. What's the lesson here? Well, this chapter division between chapter 9 and 10 may be throwing us off just a little bit. So we need to talk about what just happened in chapter 9 for a minute. In chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who had been blind all of his life. He was born blind. In order to do this, Jesus spat on the ground and made some mud, put it on the man's eyes. The man's still blind. And Jesus tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, a certain place where he's going to go and wash. And the man went there and washed, and then he could see. And everyone's astonished because this man was known to be from his birth blind and they're asking what happened and he's explaining to them that here's what Jesus did. He made some mud, he put it on my eyes and I washed. But there are people who are astonished and are saying, this man must be from God. Jesus must be a prophet at least, maybe even more. But there were other voices that said, not possible. There's no way that Jesus and God are on the same side. And this group is kind of couched in the Pharisees because the day on which Jesus healed the man was the Sabbath. Seventh day of the week in which the law of God had commanded them to rest. But one of the things that was much debated and discussed in Judaism down through the ages was how much is rest, right? On the Sabbath day, can I take a walk? How far could I walk? Could I, could I take a run? Could I go jogging? Right? How much of that would be considered restful for me versus work? Could I play basketball in the driveway? I don't know if the Jews in that day debated basketball in the driveway, but you get the idea, right? Uh, could I make a sandwich? Could I cook a meal? Right? What, what are the guidelines here for what they could and couldn't do? And the Pharisees had worked out a very detailed 
set of things you couldn't, couldn't do that went far beyond what Scripture actually said and really made a burden out of the Sabbath rather than a blessing. And so Jesus making a little bit of mud and telling the man to go and wash caused the Pharisees in their camp to say, I don't care if this man was born blind, there must be some trick or mistake here because Jesus made some mud. He practiced medicine and he also had this man to go and wash his face. He didn't keep our guidelines about the Sabbath, so he can't be from God. And other people on the other side, other voices in the conversation are saying, but this man was born blind. And we know that. We've known him in this village. We've known his family. We've known how tragic it was when they finally discovered that this child could not see. We've known him as a beggar. We know that something has happened that only God could do. You hear the two different voices? Now Jesus tells this parable about sheep in a sheepfold and some who come in from the gate and others who are thieves and robbers who are not coming in from the gate. Then Jesus, as he begins to unpack this, says some very unusual things. Let's see if we can understand what he's saying. So in verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we have two vivid voices going on right now in John. The, the voices that see in Jesus the activity of God and the voices in the Pharisees' camp that have already made up their minds if he doesn't go along with our traditions and our interpretations, he can't be from God. And then Jesus says in this story of the sheepfold, he's more than one thing, but the first thing he says he is is, is I'm the door. I'm the door, I'm the way in and out. I am the way that the sheep can come out of the sheepfold and proceed down a safe path and find pasture. The other voices that are not open to the truth, not seeing the work of God, not open to what God is doing, they're trying to steal the sheep for their own purposes. But the way of Christ is the way out to abundant life. When I think of the different voices that we have in our time and place, I haven't been involved very much in my life in debates about what we can and can't do on the Sabbath. Right? The new covenant doesn't have that particular command about the Sabbath, and we haven't had much debate about that. But we all know that we hear many voices in the world promising us good things, and we know what it's like to sometimes listen to those voices and find out that it wasn't so good. That it wasn't so good to just 
follow my gut because my gut was wrong. I needed God's guidance. That it wasn't so good to just seize the moment of enjoyment because there were regrets afterward. And these other things are reaching in and trying to take hold of us, take hold of the sheep and promising this or that. But as it turns out, all of those other voices are only wanting to do us harm. They're the thieves and robbers. But the voice of God, that comes to us here in John, in the voice of Jesus, is calling us out to what is the most abundant life. The life of a disciple is not a life of destitution. It's a life of abundance. Now, I'm not talking about money. It may be that you, in your lifetime, earn less money and own fewer things because of decisions you will make, guided by the principles of Jesus. But it will be the richer and more abundant life. And all of the other voices that you have heard before, that you may be even called by now, and that are yet to come, those are thieves and robbers. They do not have your best interests at heart. They make promises that they will not keep. And they hold out visions of fun and pleasure that as soon as we step into them, evaporate. But the voice of Christ invites us into a way of life that is abundant. Abundant in grace. Because there in the way of Christ, we do not walk by ourselves, but we have a shepherd who goes with us and who extends to us his grace every day. First John 1 talks about a walk. So we're in the gospel of John, but if we were to look over in First John 1, John talks about a walk there, and he calls it a walk in the light. He doesn't say shepherd, and he doesn't say sheep, but he talks about walking in the light. And there John will say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Let's think about this. We're walking a certain path in life. We're walking a certain lifestyle. First John describes it as walking in the light. And he is in the light. So we're walking with Christ. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We're not walking alone. We're in fellowship with Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is part of what makes us the abundant life. As we walk with Christ, we walk in grace. We walk with him. We, we are not going to walk without a stumble. We're not going to walk perfectly. A walk in the light is not a walk in perfection of our own doing. It's a walk in grace of his doing. First John 1 will go on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the walk I want to be on. A walk that is with Christ, that entails my confessing my sins, acknowledging my stumblings, and then my getting up and saying, lead on. I got distracted by another voice. Something was reaching over the wall to try to steal me. And I was almost gone. 
But I heard the Savior's voice and I'm coming back and walking with him. That is the abundant life. How many uh, advertisements, commercials, billboards, pop-up ads, how many things offering us a vision, an image of this is the good life that you want to lead. And we come back to scripture. We come back to Jesus and he says, this is a good life. Do you feel the tension between those two things? And Jesus says, I am the door. Everything else is a thief. But if you come through me, I will lead you out to abundant life. That abundant life is, first of all, a walk with Christ and a walk in grace. The idea that my sins are no longer reckoned against me, that I stand justified in the sight of God. By the way, that's how we stand. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we just acknowledge that we've all been there, that none of us uh, could claim to be sinless. Furthermore, all of us would acknowledge that we continue to have sins that we have to resist and confess. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are now justified by his grace as a gift. Wait a minute. How did we go from all have sinned to justified when we heard his voice and followed? We are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When we, having heard all the voices that were calling to us, heard the message that comes from Scripture, the message of good news in Christ that calls us into a way, but it's a way of grace, that calls us into a walk, but it's a walk with Christ. Having heard that call and we said, that's what I want. I've tried the way of sin. I've tried the way of self. I've tried the way of the world and it is not giving me abundant life. Now I'm going to try this and we find a grace. We find purpose and hope. We find forgiveness. We find our relationships healthier. We find our decisions better. We find our regrets fewer. Let us not lose sight the joy of what it means to walk in the way that is Christ. Jesus has more to say. This is a strange little riddle because Jesus has at least two roles in this story of the sheepfold and the gate and the shepherd. So what we read a minute ago, he said, I am the gate. You come through me, you enter out into abundant life. Now in verse 11, He's not only the gate, but he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
Christ is the way because he gives himself. And he then, having given himself in death on the cross, is raised back to life. And he can play another role. Not only does he create the way, he is the way, but he also lives again. And he goes with us. And he contrasts the true shepherd with the hireling or the hired help, so to speak. Now, you might think about the, the owner versus a person who's just getting paid a small wage. Um, I grew up on a farm, and uh, there were lots of little jobs that needed doing that my brother and I had the privilege to get to do. I use the word privilege in a sense that I would not have used it when I was 10 or 12 years old, right? And I, I understand the difference between being the person who actually paid for the thing and owns the thing and being the person who just has to do the chore, has to do the job. And in the ancient world of sheep owners, a man could amass flocks of sheep and goats and cattle that would number in the thousands. That person is not going to go out and do all of that themselves. They're going to hire people to do it. But let's suppose he hires some uh, person who is just there for the money and they're out with the flock of sheep and a predator shows up. Now, if he's really good, he's got his uh, sheep dog with him and he's got his staff and maybe he's got other weapons and he will chase the predator away, or kill it. But if he's not really good, if he's just there for the paycheck, he'll say, this is not worth another 10 bucks. You can have the sheep, right? Isn't it true that there are voices in the world that you have sometimes been led astray by only to find that when the going got tough, they abandoned you? It might be a person, but it also might be in the spiritual realm, a temptation, an, an opportunity to be selfish, an opportunity to choose pleasure over holiness. And what it promised, you thought, well, this would be great. And then when you got there and things got tough, whatever it was behind that abandoning. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I'm not here for the day's wage. I'm here for you, Jesus says. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus says, and here's what I will do. I will lay down my life for you. He will not leave us. There are times in following Jesus when these first disciples are going to find that it's tough. When we get to the book of Acts and Jesus has ascended back to be at the right hand of the Father where he sits enthroned, he is Lord of heaven and earth. There are times when his disciples face persecution, the time when they face uncertainty. There's, there are times when some of them are martyred. There are times when some of them disagree. He's not just the door. He's also the shepherd that keeps leading 
once we enter into the path. He will not leave us. He will continue to lift his voice and call. He says, my sheep know my voice. You know, in a very practical way, one of the reasons that's true is you don't become a sheep without learning something about Jesus already. The entering into the path of discipleship involves some teaching. No one ever became a Christian without being taught something. Christianity requires us to hear the voice of Christ. It requires us to know something about what he stands for, who he is, how he died, how he was resurrected, and what his status is now as king over heaven and earth. And we have to learn those things. So in learning that, we begin to recognize his voice among all the other voices that are calling to us. And as we began this morning thinking about ways in which you listened this past week to his voice instead of other competing voices, every time that you yield to him, that you follow his lead, that you listen to his voice, you get stronger in recognizing his voice. The other voices fade a little bit more and you get stronger. And he will not leave us and he will not fail to lead us into abundant life. That's not the same as saying it will always be easy. Early disciples suffer The call to follow Christ is a call to suffer. Jesus, in other places, in other metaphors, says, if anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow me. Jesus himself will carry a cross. In doing the Father's will, he often will be misunderstood. You'll be misunderstood sometimes. In speaking up for what's right, there will be people who disagree with him. There'll be people who disagree with you sometimes. In trying to help other people, there will be people who don't appreciate it always and some who criticize. You follow Christ, there'll be times when you're unappreciated and criticized. If you follow Christ long enough, you will follow him through suffering and even then follow him into death. And that's not the end of the story. We will follow him out of death. Christians, we tell a longer story than everybody else. We tell a story beyond death. We follow him not only into death, but we follow him back up in resurrection. We follow him knowing that the day is coming when Christ will return. And all who have died will be raised again. And he will come and with a loud shout, he will call and the dead will come forth again. In the next chapter in the story of Lazarus, Lazarus is going to die and be in the tomb four days, and Jesus is going to come and say, Lazarus, come forth. And like he called Lazarus, there's coming a day when he will call forth for all who have died. If we're still alive when he comes, he'll still come calling for us. But even if we have passed, His sheep will still hear his voice. 
on that last day when the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. It will be our same shepherd who laid down his life and called us into the abundant life here, who has walked with us and never abandoned us, who has helped us by his grace and continued to guide and direct us by his voice. In that last day, it will be that same voice that will call us forth into everlasting life. Is there any voice besides his that even begins to offer us that life? What are we thinking when those other voices get our attention, when they slow us down, when they pull us in? Let us come back to thinking eternally. Let us come back to thinking about the right life, the, the abundance that we have here, the peace we know even now, the goodness and wholeness and healthiness of life that we know is ours when we do what Jesus has called us to do and when we ignore all those other thieves and robbers. Let's be renewed and restored in hearing his voice. And there's a sense in which you might think of it this way, that each day when we listen to the words of Christ and let them direct us, we are training ourselves to listen more to his voice and less to all others. And we might get so accustomed to hearing his voice, that even if we were dead, we would still hear it and know it and answer it. The good shepherd said here in our last verse, I have other sheep that I need to bring into the flock. And we've been talking this morning about the blessings of being in Christ, but uh, that, that might be something that you haven't yet decided or committed to. He wants you to be part of his sheepfold. He wants you to be one who is learning daily more and more to hear his voice and follow and is going in and out with an abundant life and has been secured against thieves and robbers. And he's inviting us all to hear his voice and come. And so we invite you. There are many ways that you could let it be known today if you want to know more about following Christ or even begin to do that. You could even you could say, I've had it with the world. I'm coming now. We sing in just a minute. You could come to the front and we will help you this very minute. There's a card in the back of the pew that has a little uh, information code on it that you can scan and you could Begin a conversation that way. There are uh, people all around you here who would be glad to hear you say, I think I need to talk about this. He invites us to hear his voice and have the right and abundant life. What voice are you listening to? Jesus invites you to come. Let's stand together and sing.